Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram, stunt me and destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Today's guest is Shane Hazel. But before I do a proper introduction, I want to hit you with a word from our sponsors, Ground News. Today's sponsor is Ground News. Now, if there's one thing that we can all agree on, it's that the media landscape is fundamentally broken. Both social media and the press are incentivized to exaggerate our differences and amplify division. A lot of people ask me where they should go for news that they can trust, and I don't usually have a good answer for that. However, Ground News has taken a totally different approach in improving the broken media ecosystem. They're a news comparison platform, giving you the ability to compare how sources with different political biases are covering a certain story, so you can easily see if it's being spun to fit a political narrative. You can click on any article and see how balanced the coverage is. The blind spot feature allows you to see stories that are exclusively being covered by either the left or the right. This allows you to identify news that you may otherwise miss in your own bubble. Ground News is an apolitical platform. It's a place for moderates, conservatives, liberals, and the politically homeless. Try it for yourself today by downloading the free Ground News app on the App Store or Google Play Store. Just go on the store and search for Ground News. Highly recommend it. Welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Zuby. Today's guest is the wonderful Shane Hazel. He is a lot of things. He is a staunch libertarian advocate. He is running for governor in Georgia next year. He is a family man, a father, a husband, combat veteran. This man does a lot of stuff. Welcome to the show, Shane. How are you doing, man? Brother, I am super tickled to be on your show, man. It's uh, somebody said, "Hey, Shane Hazel, he's got an opening." And I was like, "I'm in." <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yeah, yeah. This is this is coming at late notice. I had a late postponement because someone, um, my previous guest, got stuck. I think on a flight. I think his flight got delayed or something, so wasn't able to make it home in time. So Shane has stepped up to the plate. I was planning on having him on the podcast later this year anyway, so we've brought it in advance. So how you doing, man? So I've done a brief intro. So introduce yourself to the people who don't know you. Yeah, ladies and gents, uh, my name is Shane Hazel. Uh, really good to be here with you guys. And uh, yeah, like Zuby said, uh, I'm, I'm part of the Mises Caucus in the Libertarian Party, uh, kind of the bomb throwers, flamethrowers, all that fun stuff. Uh, combat vet, uh, served with uh, First Force Reconnaissance Company uh, in the early part of the Iraqi uh, War, uh, 2003 and, uh, to 2006 there. I uh, did a couple of deployments there. I've run for U.S. Congress, U.S. Senate here in Georgia, um, and yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a family man and a homesteader and a homeschooler and every, you name it. Like I am trying to divorce myself from this murder cult that we call the, uh, the government banking corporate cabal over here. So it's, uh, and, you know, obviously trying to spread some freedom on my, uh, my own podcast called radical. So it's, uh, it, it's a, it's a full-time gig for sure. That's awesome, man. So I'm curious to know how you got to this position with where you are now. So Tell me a little bit about your your background and your life story. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I, I grew up as a neocon, um, and a lot of guys out there may have heard the story. But yeah, I was you know I grew up in a, a very suburban Georgia area uh, in the '80s, and so a very isolated bubble. You know, not a ton of culture. Out of like 700 people, uh, we had maybe like. 10 minorities in the entire graduating class, um, went out uh, to West Georgia University and around uh, 2001, I was about to start my fourth year of school and university out there and uh, 9-11 happened and like a idiot, you know, I ran off uh, to decide, you know, I was going to go out and get some revenge and serve my country and Boy, I'll tell you, I had my eyes opened uh, on my second tour. I was in the uh, the Battle of Fallujah in November, and I was reading a, a guy named John Taylor Gatto, uh, Weapons of Mass Instruction, and he was talking about the uh, the, the state and where the indoctrination uh, programs came from out of Prussia 
and were brought into the United States so that they had all these good little workers and uh, good little soldiers so that when the state got into a, a mix, they'd run off and fight wars for them. And uh, it wasn't anything about freedom. It wasn't about liberty. It wasn't about you know anything really even American. It was just about the the government banking corporate cabal over there, you know, running over very poor people uh, and being involved in places where we weren't. And I kind of had that moment and I was like, holy, you know, they got me, you know, like the, mm. the system got me. So I had a revelation uh, and went back to the books and tried to throw off all the indoctrination that I had. And at, uh, you know, the point where I started becoming a constitutionalist, um, I kind of had some autism in terms of like learning, you know, backwards and forwards, the, the, the governing documents, where they came from, from the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. And when I found the Anti-Federalists and, and guys like Lysander Spooner afterwards, um, it really just kind of opened my eyes to the idea that this this aristocratic combination of, you know, very powerful people has always been around. And when I saw that they would take and centralize you know, authority and power and policy and everything else between not only the government, but the corporations and the banks, they, they had this, you know, this mechanism down, they use economics, they use fear, they use military, they use anything and everything at their disposal uh, to control people to live off basically and prevent entry into market. And so um, once I started really getting through that, uh, you know, being a libertarian was kind of about the only fit for me. The, the Republicans absolutely rejected everything that I was talking about in uh, 2018 and uh, came down here in uh, 2020 and ran for Senate. And it was just, you know, it was it was so nice to be, I don't know, just kind of loved by people in, in your own party and, 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 and promoted and pushed and um, to have people be consistent in their principle and their ideas and, and really pushing the principles of peace and liberty and consent and everything that we do. And so um, that's that's kind of the, the cliff notes of a, a very, you know, uh, I guess, long 20 plus years here in, in the last... <laughs> I guess right at 20 years. So yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of how I've come to, to be this bomb thrower in the, uh, the libertarian movement. That's powerful, man. What was it like having that? Re so you had that realization while you were literally out there on a combat tour? Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is that my, my second tour, we were doing so much direct action and then we got called up for the major battles of Najaf and Fallujah. And I was probably, we were about, we were almost there a year and, you know, I had about, I don't know, two and a half, three months left when I read that book. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was one of those things that just kind of, you know, rips your heart out. You know, it's, I mean, you think, you know, and, and Americans are, are notorious for, you know, being, you know, star spangly, glittery, awesome, right? Like we, we just, we think we are amazing. We're told all these, you know, tales in school and when it comes down to it and you see what we do overseas especially and then you start to understand that we're not only doing that overseas man we're doing that here in america you know to marginalize people that don't have the the, the money and the resources to defend themselves um it was i mean it, it broke my heart you know because i wanted to believe that we were a, a different type of nation. Um, we're not. We got a different type of people, I think, that I think mm. most people are still pretty good uh, and, and they're patient, obviously, after this last year. But yeah, to, to, to try to go on with combat operations after having that awakening, boy, a different, different change of mind for sure. Yeah, that's so interesting to me. If you can put yourself back in that mindset and that mentality, what was your, what was your feeling when you went out there? What did you feel like you were fighting for? Well, you know, it, when you first get to a place that, you know, and like I said, you know, I grew up in suburbia. So to, to be flown over to the Middle East the first time and then to take a ship over the second time, you're in, you're involved in so much culture that you've never had before. And then I got to trick, you know, uh, help out with um, Operational Detachment Alpha. I think it was a fifth group, um, Special Operations Forces guys, because we were about to transition into being MARSOC from First Force Reconnaissance Company. And contributing to SOCOM per Donald Rumsfeld back at the time he said, Hey, Marines, you're going to start contributing to special operations as SOCOM. And so we went down to uh, a little uh, operation base in the Joff and I started to, you know, have people who were indigenous people all around me all the time. They cooked for us. Uh, they provided security for us. They cleaned, they, and we trained tons and tons of these guys. Um, and you know, you start to see like, you know, like, 
people in Islam are not bad people. You know, it's, it's, it's just different. It's just not what you are. Are there radicals in every part of the world? Sure. There are, I mean, and I mean, not like the good radicals, like the bad radicals, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you start to see that, Hey man, yeah, I get it. I understand that there are some, some, some bad seeds out there, but at the same time, you start to see the humanity in a lot of people in a lot of different ways, which you were told was damn near impossible from, you know, the intelligence that you have. So, um, you know, initial thoughts were, yeah, man, we're going to go in here and we've got the military might, this will be quick and easy and we'll be out in, you know, like they did with desert storm, desert shield. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously we're still there. So, um, it, it changed uh, as we started, you know, doing direct action. We were taking out some guys who were making bombs. You know, we were taking out some guys who were lieutenants. Um, but it was all over the place too, because you know we started to also see that you know we went in there to try to help uh, help the Shiite uh, you know population and the Kurd population against the Sunni population and the Baathists. And what ended up happening is one of the first big battles that I was really in in 2004 of August was Najaf. And that was against, you know, the Grand Ayatollah uh, Sistani and Muqtada al-Sadr, who was Shiite. You know, he obviously he hangs out in Iran and the Shiite circles a lot these days. And I was like, what are we doing with the Mahdi militia who's a bunch of Shiites? Shouldn't we be using, you know, these guys to, to help perpetuate like wh what the mission is supposed to be in the first place? And so... It just all comes unraveling. If you're a thinking, you know, individual and you can go out and see, you know, what what you're being told in intelligence meetings and everything else that's it's led up to that, you start to really see through the facade that is the military industrial complex and, and what you're doing there. And you, then the questions start arising. You're walking around like, <laughs> what mm. the hell are we doing? I hear that. When you say the military industrial complex for someone who doesn't really understand what that means, can you explain it to them? Yeah, so we 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 often refer to it as the MIC, and um, the military industrial complex is this unholy alliance between the government and the different uh, huge giant corporations out there. Uh, you know that'll spend thirty five billion dollars on a jet fighter, or you know, basically it's it's a propagation and subsidizing of industry that wouldn't normally exist, right? Like we shouldn't be at war, and so you know the the warfare industry should probably be next to nothing right like very small if you got some companies that have you know some people with some really deep pockets that just want to make you know weapons of war yeah okay but the problem is is when it's subsidized by the american people and then these guys are the first people in line to get that dollar fresh off the you know the the, the printing press or the fed here in the united states it's like well you know if they're first in line to get the trillions and trillions of dollars and then spread it out and then obviously use it in destruction i mean if you're a fan of you know hayek or hazlitt or any of the the austrian type economics you understand you understand like the opportunity loss you understand uh, you know all of these different aspects of pushing resources into destruction instead of creation and mm -hmm. it's 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 absolutely you know heartbreaking to see like that this industry over the past 20 years has grown leaps and bounds and i mean we spent what six trillion dollars overseas uh spending you know 750 billion dollars a year through ndaas and continuing resolutions to help you know support the troops and just like god th that's not what we're doing we're, we're, yeah. we're handing out welfare to giant corporations basically yeah that's a lot of money that's a lot of zeros over there <laughs> <laughs> it sure is so i know your podcast is called radical and um you are a true libertarian um, where I live over here in the UK, even the concept of libertarianism doesn't really mean a lot to most people. Um, mm -hmm. It's a much more common and better known philosophy in the USA than it is here in the UK or even in Europe in general. So, and I have people who are going to be listening to this all over the world. So for someone who doesn't really understand libertarianism, when you say you're a libertarian, what does that mean? Uh, one of the core tenets is the non-aggression principle. It's uh, good ideas don't require force, and we don't, you know, we don't hurt people, and we don't take their stuff. If you want to boil it down, but we we have to be consistent in those principles uh, in terms of being a libertarian. And I'll tell you, you know, a lot of people 
don't understand it even here in the United States, where I think they'd be more libertarians out there, right? We <laughs> we we are blackballed and 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 propagandized against by you know the the powers that be to begin with. So basically, in in all aspects of life, whether it's economics, whether it's government, whether it's your religious life, whatever it is, it's it's your choice. You know, if you want to be a part of a uh, you know, a commune or a socialist society. Cool, man. Don't force anybody else into it. If you want to be part of a minarchist society, great. If you want to be part of a republic, great. I don't care. If you want to be an anarchist, better. It's that the the end of the day, peace and liberty and consent in all things, in all transactions among us, that's what libertarianism is about. And so, you know, people will, you know, kind of jump on us about, well, you know, what about this aspect of that government provides in this aspect? And it's like, well, we think the private sector can do that better where we're cutting out middlemen, especially with the, you know, the, the, the technology that we have today in terms of reviews and ratings and boards that don't exist in government where there's bureaucracy, there's corruption, there's theft. And I think, you know, most people agree in this day and age that, you know, we're, we're dealing with thieves and murderers at every level of government, right? It's just like, well, why would you ever give those people power <laughs> and money to make decisions about your health or your roads or whatever the case it's like there are people out there that actually want to earn that there's you know the supply side demand side but you know it basically comes down to being uh you know economically austrian versus economically keynesian um which leads to situations like the economic meltdown that we're in which is you, you might need to explain is- those you might need to explain those terms austrian austrian versus keynesian I get so, it, but for everyone else. Yeah, so Austrian economics uh, comes from a place of uh, savings and, and value, right? Whereas Keynesian economics is uh, a, a debt-based economy system. A debt-based economy system uh, is what we have in the, in basically around the world because the dollar is, quote-unquote, the reserve currency of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you live in a debt-based economy, what it does is a, a, a lot of things. Obviously, it destroys the wealth that you make in one day th- to the next day through inflation and things like that. But it also destroys you know, civilization through people chasing after a dollar that's going to be you know more and more worthless over time it destroys culture it, i mean you, you look at what we've we've seen today it's it's not you know just one culture that's kind of been hijacked by the dollar like a lot of cultures have sold out to the dollar out there um and at the end of the day you know you're you're left with bubbles you're left with you know all these different mechanisms that you know people in the fed uh people in the government people in corporate america or wherever else will try to manipulate for their own doing whereas austrian economics works off of savings there's this idea that you trade you know life in this world for a a, a skill set or for work or for whatever and when you as a free being trade your life for something, it's yours and it belongs to you. And so there's a trade-off. And so if you have an excess of something and you can invest it into, let's say, you know, very basics, like if you're a farmer and you go from a hoe and you need a plow, you're going to have to take some time and effort and skill and apply those things and trade some off maybe in terms of your working the garden or the farm and put that into a new skill set. Now that skill set is one of those things where you can teach somebody and they can pay you, they can, you can share it through uh, transaction and sales, but it's basically where we talk about savings being wealth at versus debt, uh, a debt economy being, um, you know, the, the, the absolute worst, uh, in terms of an, an economic system. Why is libertarianism not more popular? Why are people so resistant to these basic ideas of freedom, liberty, and voluntarism, and choice, and lack of coercion, and the non-aggression principle? You'd think that, I feel like on a level, most people agree with that, wherever mm-hmm. they are on the political spectrum. I think it's quite an obvious human desire, but people have this understanding of the government or what they think its role should be. And I don't know if it's just decades and decades of that being the norm, but why do you think it is that people are so resistant to some of these ideas? I I think in this day and age, I think it all stems from what we'll call compulsory government indoctrination systems, right? Or camps, school, 
uh, is what everybody else calls it. <laughs> I just like I don't I, I don't use their language, Zuby. Man, I can't do I hear it. That. I it's hear like that. A, okay. It's a Wait, lie, what, what, man. What, what, what did you just call them? That, that, I like that. Compulsory government indoctrination camps. Right. Wow. Like you, okay. You have to go at five years old, and right then and there, your right of association is destroyed. Like you got to ask to do natural things, like go to the bathroom, and you can't sit next to your buddies, and you can't like. There's all these things that like the school just comes in and says, "Sit down, shut up, open to this," and then it's there's some really good reads like um, John Taylor Gatto's, you know, what I teach in six lessons, and it will blow your mind. I actually just did a podcast about it uh, recently, but it's it's one of those things where I think because they get you it five and then at 18 you know you're either left to go off into the workforce or go off into more indoctrination or go off into the military which is even more indoctrination (laughs) and at the same time you're probably starting to pay attention to politics a little bit and the entire you know industry in terms of you know entertainment is prop propagandized the the quote-unquote news is propaganda for the, the the murder cabal and you're just like they don't you don't have a chance unless you can sit there and say, man, they got me. You know, like I was duped. No, mo- most people don't want to have that realization. They don't want to have that moment. You know what they say in the South, that come to Jesus moment, right? Like yeah. they don't want to have that moment where they're like, man, yeah, uh, I, I I was duped. I was wrong. I I see it now, right? And so when when people can't have that moment of introspection and pause, a lot of times what happens is they recoil. And when they recoil and they double down and you see the cognitive dissidence and the anger in the for, for presenting people with, you know, just an idea, mm-hmm. it is very telling. You, I mean, you can see you can see it happen all the time. I think, um, you know, all of these things kind of add together um, are are why the idea of peace and, and liberty and consent or libertarianism. Uh, has really not taken off, but I think we're I think we're about into a moment right now, especially here in the U.S., mm. uh, where we start to see you know this uh, this scale right uh, this continuum where people always talk about the left and the right in America and Democrats and Republicans. It's not really uh, accurate. What's accurate is tyranny and freedom. And so on that on that far side, you've got Republicans, you got Democrats progressives, conservatives, whatever they want to call themselves that are part of the duopoly system. And then on the other scale, you know, on the other side of that scale of freedom and tyranny on the freedom side, you have the libertarians. And those people are the ones that are actually like, hey, man, we're not really down with systems. We're not really down with leaders. We're not really down with your cult. Like, we're not down with any of this (laughs) stuff, man. So it's like, hey, you do you as long as you don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Mm. We're real simple people. Yeah, I hear that totally. I mean, I'm very, I'm pretty libertarian. Not pretty, I'm very libertarian (laughs) myself. Um, I think one of the weaknesses, though, of libertarianism is it's inherently, it's based around voluntarism, right? So put in front of something that is willing to use power and use authority and use tyranny, it's it's like fighting with both hands tied behind your back, right? Because, you know, the, if you're running for the libertarian party, say, as, as I know, you've done and you are, um, you know, the, the Republicans and the Democrats say in the USA, they've got the firepower very, very lit, both metaphorically and literally, right. In terms of numbers, in terms of willingness to, um, you know, pass certain moral boundaries or to use coercion or to use shady money, whatever it is by hook or by crook, Mm -hmm. they've kind of got this power advantage, um, and I do also think that lots of people like moving away from the parties, but when it comes to to voters, even um, a lot of people want to be taken care of or at least feel like they are. And they want to outsource. They kind of want to outsource stuff. You know, people kind of say they want to be free. But as you've really seen, especially if you've been paying attention over the past 15 months, you'll see that a good chunk of our population is not that keen on freedom and liberty and even basic human rights and human choices, even as an adult. Um, so I think a lot of it is that psychological craving almost for authority. Like people do really want that. I think a lot of people feel scared or unsafe or fearful, whatever it is, when they do not have big daddy government, at least pretending that he cares about them. 
What's that reflex, right? It's like from the moment they sat down in that class, they were like, oh, I got to I got to ask, right? Like, is this OK? Right. Like, mm. like that's a that that that's a hangover. And, I, and, and I'll tell you, you know, when when you look at, um, you know, the operations of a state against people, um, a lot of times what I got to see was the psychological operations, all the pre-warfare that goes into kinetic warfare mm. and that fear man, you nailed it. Like that fear is what they find and they find what people are afraid of and they lean on it. And then they find the divides that causes and they lean on those fissures and they just divide as much as they can. And it's, it's all fear all the time. Um, and at that point, you know, the people who buy into the fear, uh, are the ones that are easily manipulated and controlled and used against those of us that are like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to take my chances, guys. I, I don't understand the risk. I get it, but mm-hmm. you, guess what? I'm not buying into your into your fix. Like, <laughs> I, I got it. And that's the thing is, like, libertarians, man. Like, what you said. Why is it hard for li- libertarians are guys that live on the side of a mountain behind two gates in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> right? Like, I don't want to do politics. I don't want to be anywhere near this kind of stuff. But hey, man, like. I I see you guys getting closer and closer to where I live and I want to be that warrior in the garden, but you guys are not giving me a lot of choice, man. I don't want to revert. I don't want to see that stuff again. I definitely don't want to see it among, you know, my, my, my fellow brethren here. It's like, let's not do this. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy to me. I mean, was it yesterday or the day before when, um, Joe Biden, benevolent Joe Biden and the CDC were making announcements that, um, Americans who are, fully vaccinated may now go outside without a mask on <laughs> I, I, I heard that i was like wait 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 hang on a second like there are so many things wrong with what you just said <laughs> firstly if you've been this whole time if you've been going outside every time with a mask on um look it's your choice like we're libertarians right. you have the right to do that but i'm not so sure that you're following science but then the fact that, I mean, I was like, who was waiting for permission for that? Were there people literally sitting in front of their TV with yes. popcorn waiting for the CDC to tell them that they can, yeah. if they're vaccinated, <laughs> you they can go outside. can go outside. You can take off one of the two masks. You can stand three <laughs> feet together. Like, what? They're it's clowning so you guys, man. And they're like. They go off backstage and they just go, hey, man, I told him to wear two masks. Look, I said, you can go outside. Hey, instead of six feet, we can do three feet. Like, it's a clown show, people. Like, they're making fun of you and they're having fun <laughs> at your, like, your miserable expense. It's nuts. It's wild, man. It's wild. So I'm curious, in your own personal position, especially as someone who's run in the Libertarian Party, which mm-hmm. is, of course, by definition, a political party, what do you think the role and scope of government should be? Boy, uh, completely voluntary. I, I think, you know, most government would go away. Uh, I saw some study, and I don't know if it was Denmark or, or where it was. It was up in the, one of the Scandinavian uh, uh, countries. And when they made, you know, a, a, a number of programs voluntary to pay into or to, to direct democracy almost, right? It was like, well, most people were like, eh, I don't find any value in that. So I'm not going to fund those kind of things. So, um, you know, I'm I'm more of an anarchist, and I, I'll be very upfront with everybody. You know, I'm an anarchist, but it doesn't mean like I, I I think if you want to have small groups of you know whatever your collective mindset is that's free to enter or leave, I think that's okay. Um, I just don't think that you should ever be able to be forced into a contract or a way of life or a belief system or, or or any of those kind of things. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm looking at in terms of my platform is, you know, getting rid of all nonviolent crime to begin with, right? It's like, hey, you know what? Um, murder, rape, assault, kidnapping, vandalism, coercion, theft, uh, and maybe fraud. Like those are the things I think maybe – there is a small local type of state, you know, out there like a sheriff um, and maybe a couple deputies that can take care of those kind of people. Because let's face it, you know, most of the time it's local. It's somebody, you know, who's committing a violent crime or theft or vandalism or, or, or whatever the, the, the real crime is. And I think that's where uh, a message of libertarian actually really sells too. It's, it's that, hey, listen, we, we don't agree on anything anymore, America, like, or, or the rest of the world, right? We don't agree on the, the color of the sky anymore. And it's like, 
can we can we at least agree that these things are bad, right? And I think you know just through obvious interactions on a daily basis, you know, the, the 350 million people here in the United States, we're not killing each other every day. We're not, you know, we're not, uh, you know, robbing each other. Like there are some bad people who do these things to people, mm-hmm. but I don't think you know, humankind is inherently bad. I think most people just want to live their life and be left alone. And so where I've found great progress with this type of, you know, message and and idea towards, you know, government is that I can have people who are former, you know, neocons like myself, and I can take the most progressive of the progressives and we can agree to those ideas and that those definitions of crimes. It's like, okay, cool guys, let's start, let's start over. Let's start there. Like we can at least agree on that. And, you know, if in your municipality or whatever it is in your little area, if there's something that's nuanced, then do something about it, you know, like, and, and, and do it of, you know, free volition and, and free thought and, and free exchange of ideas where you're not forcing people one way or another. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like I, if you're if you're pointing guns at people to enact your morality, your ideas and your policy, your ideas suck. That's just the bottom line. Interesting. So I'm curious about, so you said you're an anarchist. Number one, I think, the, again, you will probably need to define that because anarchist is a very scary word to people. Um, yeah. So when you, first of all, when you say that, what do you mean by it? Yeah, so the, the definition of anarchy is just no rulers, right? So it, it, it at least enjoys the, um, the neutral ground. It could be good, it could be bad, but it just means not having a ruler. Um, it's not chaos. And I think a lot of people... Uh, get the idea of chaos and anarchy mixed up very often because of propaganda. Um, chaos is where you have a system where the people in who are the quote unquote leaders of the system don't actually follow that system. Uh, there, there's no repercussions. There's no accountability. There's no responsibility. And I'll kind of contend that when you look around the world in this time and age, it's like, well, you know, we have a, we have lots of different types of systems. What we don't have is stability. We have complete chaos because of the departure from, I don't know, constitutional contracts, which failed miserably, uh, and, and that the anti-federalists set, you know, told us we were going to fail. So I, I think, you know, I think that's really, you know, it's not as scary as if you're an independent type of person, right? If you can provide for your own security, I, I, I make you know no reservations about saying that the world is not a safe place. It, it never has been. It never will be a safe place. Uh, there are people who want to do bad things to other people and will take mm-hmm. advantage of situations. So, uh, you know, your own defense, your own security is something that you have to take responsibility for. And, and when governments, you know, prevent people from do that, I think it is absolutely heinous because it violates what I consider, you know, kind of the first right as a human being and that's self-preservation. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not that it's total chaos and it's not that governments can't exist. It's that whatever situations you find yourself in, you shouldn't ever be forced into them. You should, mm-hmm. it, it should be a consentful relationship. It's like, you know, it's, it's consent is what makes sex, sex and not rape. And it's what <laughs> makes the exchange of goods, you know, not robbery. So yeah. it's, it's, it's just those things. I get that. I under, I've always understood anarchism sort of theoretically in the same way that I understand socialism and communism theoretically, but do you think that it's something that's truly viable like that? I mean, I can understand wanting to go from where we are now closer towards it. Right. But with all of these philosophies, to be honest, as an absolute, I don't think any of them make sense. Right. I know with the, the communism one has been that's been tried um, with the anarchism as well, whilst there are some aspects of it as a libertarianism, yeah. uh, sorry, as a libertarian, some aspects of it. I'm like, OK, I'm with you on that, with you on that. But in practice, so if you take, you know, the USA, 330 million people, um, how would that work and actually look in practice? And yeah. it seems to me like it would end up with chaos. So what what I think that people miss is is a lot of people promise you, you know, utopias. And that's not what libertarians promise you, especially the the anarchy side of libertarianism. We we're not promising um utopia. What we're what we're telling you is we 
we provide for the truth about human beings and then we provide through consent against those things. So I think, you know, in terms of let's, let's, you know, just for the sake of uh, arguments, like you talk about like the smallest denominal unit decentralization of, of all sorts, right? Because whenever you remove power from your local area and give it to somebody who's not accountable, 500, 400,000, 3000 miles away, let's face it, you know, they're, they're least likely uh, to, to be accountable to you at those positions. So in these small areas, you know, if we can, you know, if we have people who are marauders, who, who do take advantage of people, what we can do is fund um, a, a sheriff or a police force that, you know, through, through voluntarism, right? So I believe that I think most people would happily give some money to a sheriff to combat, um, you know, very bad people in their in their local areas. I don't think mm-hmm. uh, for you know for a second um, that you can really expand that and grow that outside of that. You know, it, it, in terms of roads, you know, roads here in, in the United States weren't um, you know a, 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 a state function uh, until about the 1900s. So you know, it's like we 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 did this before. We can do but it to, after. To, to be fair, though, people also didn't have cars like they do now at that time, right? Well, I mean, it's it's like anything else, right? We have we have more technology in the private sector, and in, in terms of you know cars, roads, mapping, uh, the ability to to put you know new roads in, it's 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 all about consent. You know what I see is chaos. A lot of times is swept under the rug because of the monopoly of force that the government has. A lot of times they condemn people's property and they said, Hey, mm. we're taking your property and we're not going to give you fair market value, right? Like, I think that's chaos. Mm. I think when the government says, Hey, listen, um, you no longer have the right to speak, right? Because, eh, well, we've got this new platform and it's got so much tech in it. And, you know, your voice can be heard all the way around the world. Like, we're, we're going to deperson you. Uh, well, that's a problem, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's chaos. I think. I think anytime you're dis- a, a system has a monopoly on force and can destroy what somebody's put their life into as a peaceful person, I think mm-hmm. that's chaos in itself. And so it's just, it's just in our system, what's, uh, what I think is superior is we're not pointing guns at people to support our ideas or our morality. And we're also saying in our system, if you want to be in a commune, go do it. Show mm-hmm. us how to do it. If you want to be in a republic, cool, go do it. Gotcha. If you want to be an anarchist, fine. It's just we don't believe that pointing guns at peaceful people is the way to do it. Yeah, I get it. Like I said, philosophically, I totally get it. I do just think practically, again, knowing human nature. <laughs> uh, that, you know, Knowing human nature, I, it's like, okay, even if it starts like that. It's tougher. Then, yeah, and how long does it take for, you know, a powerful entity or entities to end up becoming something like the government we already have, possibly worse even. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, I, I mean, one big question, actually, what about things like national level security? What about um, what's what's the what's the anarchist position even on um, immigration or national defense? What are the positions on that? So there's there's nuance here um, in, okay. in current situations. And, and this is I think gets glossed over all the time. Like libertarians are open borders people. Well, we're property rights people. In, a, in, in the perfect system, it's property rights. Are you invited onto a, a piece of property, right? If you're not, then you're trespassing. And, and there's, there's obviously a problem. Now, with um, you know, borders in a system that doles out money from taxpayers to, you know, to somebody who's receiving it that quote unquote didn't earn that, right? Mm-hmm. Libertarians obviously understand you can't have a system that exists where the taxpayers are being fleeced to pay out to other people, right? Like mm-hmm. not it just doesn't it doesn't work that way. So we're we're very much open border private property people. We 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 talk about imaginary lines on maps and stuff like that, right? Like yeah. it's it's true. Basically, um, if the state exists and it's taking money from people, it's not fair to the people that it's actually they're paying into the system to be, you know, handed out to people who are coming in and benefiting from those handouts. But in in terms of you know the the utopia, right? Like it's it's private property. It's private property rights all the way. I get that, but I still don't really understand how that. Um, I, I'm not sure. I totally understand how that applies to country lines. So, okay, you've got that gigantic border between Mexico, gigantic border with Canada. If someone is in Mexico and they just want to come over to the 
USA just roll over? Can like millions and millions of people just just do every day? How does it work? Yeah, (laughs) right. Like, how how does that work? Well, and it's that's the thing is, um, in in a in in our world, we're not handing out. You know, we're not take first and foremost. We think taxation is theft, so we're not take we're not taking money from people by force to begin with to subsidize other people's lives or businesses. And let's face it, you know, a lot of people get mad at immigrants here in America because they're like, "Oh, they're coming over here and taking our jobs." Well, you know what, man, that's probably not true. And, and on top of that, the subsidies that are going to the military industrial complex and every other you know complex that's supported through subsidies, those the corporate welfare in America is, is more draining, but to digress into your, we, we don't see it as a problem. You cut that off, you cut off the taxation, you cut off the district, uh, this, this, all the, the subsidies. And at that point you really don't have an immigration problem. Okay. Has this ever yeah. been tried anywhere? Oh, that is a great question. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and here's, I, the, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I, I think it kind of, you know, in, in the world, it's always been conquest, right? I mean, you look at what happened here in the United States when we weren't the United States, we were kind of British colonies, right? I think, you know, at, at some point, if we would have, you know, quote unquote, we, the Americans would have respected property rights, you know, we wouldn't have done what we had done inside of America, right? It w- yeah. wasn't our land. It wasn't, it, it wasn't anything like that. Um, and, and so, when you look at, you know, what the, you know, what may have happened, let's just say if there was a confederation of tribes that said, no, you know what, like these are lines you guys don't get to cross. And had they had the means to, you know, protect these lands, I, I think they definitely would have, but you know, um, they, they, they didn't have the power to stop. And I think it actually kind of makes the case that, you know, listen, in, in a, in a, in a, in a world with no lines, you know, private property is, is what, you know, people should be respecting. Mm, again. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because I agree with it philosophically, but then I'm also just like, yeah, well, if someone's wants to take your stuff, as you've just said, you know, if they've got the firepower, then, right. You know, there's, there's, I, I think we're, I think we agree on, I think everyone agrees on what is not on everything, but generally here we agree on what is right and what is wrong. Yeah. Um, but you, you would kind of like, you would agree sorry. that like, you would agree now that the, the biggest guns are the government and they'll just come in and take your stuff anyway for the corporations or for whoever they yeah. want. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, those big guns do also protect the USA, for example, from foreign threats. So just as the, the way the UK was created um, in, in the way that we know it, and lots of the world, right? I mean, I'm I'm from yeah. the UK, right? Great Britain used to own like a third of the world or something like that. I have no right. idea. Looking at people now, I have no idea how that happened. But <laughs> at one point, <laughs> but but at, one, at one, <laughs> but at one point that happened, and that was technology and firepower. Really, it wasn't about morality. It wasn't like, oh, look, you know, these peaceful Africans are just chilling here. Oh, these people in India is like, yeah, they're chilling here, but we've got guns and we want stuff and we want resources. So it always comes back to that sort of human deficiency of greed and aggression and violence and just wanting more, just wanting to take stuff. Kind of throw around the idea that we have like 500 million guns in America, right, that that they know about. Let's let's yes. face it. There's a, about 500 million they don't know about. I yeah. I would really you know like to, to see what America has not been able to do in Afghanistan against the the Pashtun culture, right? To mm. see that farmers in dirt huts have repelled not only the Americans but the Soviets before that the the Ottoman Empire. Like these guys have they haven't changed their way of life in centuries, and yet they are yeah. able to repel more and more advanced armies, divisions, legions, like, like it it happens. And so when I look at America and and we've got 500 that we know about, right? 500 million guns. Like, do we really need a national defense? Maybe there's an incursion somewhere. Maybe there's a landing, maybe there, but you, you want to talk about an actual galvanizing event here in the, Mm -hmm. in the States, go ahead and set foot on American soil and start killing Americans, right? Like, Oh, Man, that sounds like a bad idea because that's the thing is you'll have guns hanging out of every window and every skyscraper. You'll have guns hanging out of every home. You'll have guns hanging out of every car and truck. Like 
you and not to mention the, the amount of veterans that we've created over the last 20 years yeah. on top of understanding that hey you know a lot of us are you know special ops guys like we understand asymmetrical warfare and psyops mm -hmm. and we understand like you can take a, a bulldozer and up armor it in a matter of about 25 minutes <laughs> with the right you know torch right it's like yeah. you know nobody wants to fight that like i don't i don't anyway and i yeah I, no i i, 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 I get i don't know like i i get it but i'm also just like man you got like People have like fighter jets and bombers and tanks. And like, like if, if they okay, still lose. So, okay, I I don't know. I'm like okay. If I'm I'm kind of running a scenario in my head. Okay, say yeah. Say Russia or China stayed the way they are with the military that they have, and the USA disbanded its military, but they still had those 500 million guns. It's like, uh, my money's not on the USA. Really? Situation? No. Without the without the actual military, no chance. Look at wow, wow man, destroyed. So, th so there's there's a. I mean, I, I guess if you know if you if you want to kind of look, I mean, I mean nu nukes. I didn't even mention nukes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't oh, even yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is nukes aren't going to go away just because, you know, we're not a, a United States. If we, you know, if we break up, which probably, you know, it, hopefully in, in a very peaceful way where we kind of do like a DC exit, you know, where like, we're like, hey, guys, we're kind of cool. You know, you guys aren't <laughs> screw those guys in DC. If if we do kind of a DC exit here and it's, you know, Georgia and Tennessee and in and, and a region or whatever the case is, it's just, it's like, well, I, I think, you know, you probably still have some nukes. I think you probably still have tons of weapons. I still have, you know, helicopters and all those kinds of things. And there's probably a lot of Philadelphia that goes on. And, hey, man, listen, look what they're doing out there. That's kind of cool. Maybe we'll adopt, you know, some of this kind of stuff. And maybe we won't do that. And maybe we'll privately pay into this kind of stuff as well, right? Like mm -hmm. for a defense, you know, putting money into more defensive measures as the DOD was supposed to instead of like the offensive measures. Like we don't need to be conquests you know going out and taking over the world anymore yeah yeah no it's it's interesting man it's interesting like i'm i'm really intrigued by anarchism as one of those things that i'm like i'm intrigued by I, honestly I, I don't i like the philosophy i don't honestly think it's, it's tenable tough. yeah i think like a shift towards libertarianism mm -hmm. is definitely the right direction i think that's the, you want to be shifting downwards towards libertarianism rather than upwards towards authoritarianism right um but like i said i think the remote end of any of this quadrant doesn't work for me in practice i just don't think it works in practice <laughs> it, i think i think it's hard to see it isn't it a, yeah yeah you know just like i mean i've, I've, I've chatted to people who think uh I, I don't know how anyone still thinks communism is a good idea given that it has been tried in multiple countries different places and it's like okay I can understand how theoretically in someone's brain this sort of works out, but then you see the reality of it. And yeah. again, it comes back to those human, it comes back to human nature, greed, <laughs> greed, aggression, selfishness, violence, right? So you'll have these communes and they were, you know, they're saying, yes, you know, we're doing this for the people, for the workers, whatever. And then the rulers are, I mean, I was in Romania a few months ago and uh, you know, you've got the second bi biggest building in the world there after the Pentagon in Bucharest, Romania right so heavy that it, it sinks a couple <laughs> centimeters every year uh what's called the presidential palace built by nikolai ceausescu and it is over a thousand rooms the chandelier the seal some of the ceilings are made of gold it's just oh, this he gross, he, huh? he destroyed a third of the city and uh displaced over twenty thousand people just to make this building <laughs> and it just sits there and you're just like this is insane. And this is only going back to uh, the, I mean, this is in, in, in our lifetime. I mean, he, yeah. uh, no, hey, it, right? I, and, and I'm, and I'm, I just look at that and you're, I, I did a tour of the building and the Austin, it's so ostentatious. And then you're reading about how the people were living at that time with their ration cards. And like, you know, um, I think they were allowed something like, something like 20 liters of uh, petrol or gas per month. Um, and they had to, you know, li line up for, and this is in the eighties. This is, oh, this isn't even ancient history. And you're just learning all yeah. this stuff. And you're just like, this is crazy. If you learn about everything, you know, Mao in China, Stalin in well, Russia, all of these two, different two, people, you're just like, man, 
to your point, you know, like, that's the thing is like in the in the 1900s alone, like government collectivism slaughtered 270 oh, million of its own people. Now, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll sit here and, and throw the flag in America. Like, look what we've done to the Middle East, the millions of people that have been killed the even more have been displaced and it's just just there it's all over africa like this is the problem with collectivism like we're mm. we're supposed to be this freak we're not free here in america we've never been free in america we, <laughs> what they did was they they spread out the slavery in in the 1800s right it was different it was but you're you're not free here in america and they're going to take all this money and then they're going to go do terrible things to people around the planet so it's like like i know it's it's a very tough concept and it's 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 scary i mean it's scary to say yeah you know what we don't need all this protection right like it's the world i don't you know i've traveled all over the world too i mean mm. to to the, the scariest place i ever went was probably i think where you're from saudi arabia right like oh, i didn't i felt like a total outsider was followed from one block to another but like the rest of the world where i have been you know from the the you know the the southeastern uh, parts of Asia to Australia to, you know, all over Europe. And it's just like, man, everybody's kind of the, the same. Like they're just kind of cool people. They just want to, you know, share with you your, their, their local heritage and culture with you. They want to, you know, smile. I mean, it's, it's not what I've seen is like, man, if this world could understand anything, it's like, Hey guys, we're all on the same team people mm. versus government. Right. And it's like the governments are the one that screw it up. If the government's, you know, if, if if Joe Biden wants to go fight somebody, well, go fight the, the, the prime minister over there. I'll, <laughs> I'll buy you the ticket. I'll get you like, let's have that death match and let's let all the young people live. Everybody else like just. But that's the thing is it's like the state's the state that's collective. They're going to continue to murder and thieve and kill. Whereas at least in the in, in an idea in the ideal utopia. Boy, at least you don't have the state doing it, man. Mm. The, the state has such a massive scale advantage over everybody else. That's absolutely true. So moving on from that, I know you are making a run for governor in your state of Georgia. So tell us a little bit about that. We, we got locked down in uh, March of last year, uh, late March, man. And I was just like, ooh, man, uh, <laughs> this, governor, <laughs> this, this governor down here and I, we don't speak the same language anymore, right? And it's like, yeah, he said, he came out on television. He said, basically, um, you can't assemble in, in more than 10 people anymore. And if you see people doing this, tell them to disperse. And if they don't disperse, call us. And oh, I was boy. like, this isn't America. What the hell is he talking <laughs> about, man? Um, so right then and there, I kind of got this burr. And um, as soon as my Senate run was over, I, and I, I cost, you know, quote unquote, from the Republicans, I cost them the Senate and control and all. I, I, like, I was that. I was the guy, man. And so I got, <laughs> oh, I got so much hate mail. I was like, oh, you guys think you've seen something? I'm running for governor next. And it's like, oh, man, like just parlayed it right into, uh, you know, the next run. But it's got to be done. You know, this is my most local run. Um, it is, it's definitely going to be one of those runs where it is completely different. You know, like my Senate campaign, I didn't even raise money. I, I just, I, I had my show. Um, I said, listen, keep your money, give it to your neighbors, give it to charity, give it to the people in small businesses who are being shut down by the state here. Like do that. Mm. I can go out there and I can see people. I can, I can reach people from my podcast. I can do all of these things that I don't need to take money from, you know, the, the, the corporate interest to go out there and run this campaign. Um, and so for me, it's going to be all about getting rid of all the nonviolent crime, releasing all the people who are in prison or jail for nonviolent crime. It's going to be opening up, um, you know, the, the farming industry here, which is our, our biggest industry. Uh, and, and right now we don't have access, uh, in Georgia to, uh, cannabis or psilocybin or any of those natural types of medicines, uh, out there. Um, so we're going to, we're going to open that up. I don't, you want to do what you want to do with your land, uh, by all means. Um, and what we're also going to do is start looking at things uh, like Bitcoin and and you know moving away from this fiat currency that's going to go extinct here probably within I don't know the next few years anyway. But uh, we're we're going to try to get the jump on that, um, and you know just really do things completely differently than the system uh, and start shutting down a lot of the government to begin with. So, mm. like you said, you know we won't be totally you know libertarian but 
we'll definitely be moving toward that uh, that side of liberty for sure. Moving in that direction, yeah. Yeah. A term you've used quite a lot of times is a uh, nonviolent crime. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when people hear that, probably the obvious thing that comes to people's mind are drug-related offenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of thinking. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Are there are there not any crimes that are nonviolent that should still be considered crimes? Um, so nonviolent, like trespassing is a crime, right? Like if you're not welcome on, on somebody's property and you're, and you're there, uh, most likely, you know, you're unwelcome to begin with, you know, and it's, it's going to be different for everybody. You know, it's, it's going to be, Hey man, like either take a hike or, or you're welcome to be here. Right. Like Mm -hmm. depends on, on, on the person whose property you're on. But yeah, I think trespassing is one of those crimes like, um, that is, is definitely, uh, something that's quite, non-violent but still hey man you know it's not your property probably better off to to leave right so yeah I mean, there are certain crimes that um you know i i think could be on the book so yeah it's it's i, I guess to answer your question uh yeah okay. maybe that one and i guess in anarchist utopia there wouldn't be a police force obviously um right. no or that's no privately okay. uh yeah private volunt- police. Okay. yeah private okay, police gotcha. force and they've actually we've got quite a few private police forces around the country and they work out very well uh it's one of those things where if people don't like the private police force that they're paying into they defund it and at some mm-hmm. point they hire you know maybe a new contractor a new whatever it is and they boil it down to things like we're talking about instead of jaywalking or driving gotcha. with a tag that's a paper tag instead of a state approved tag or, or whatever like they don't they kind of okay yeah we know the state's passed some of these laws but that's not really in our contract. So we're not going to enforce these things. Should people need driver's licenses? Depends on what road you're on. Um, you know, if, if you're on a private road and you meet the criteria, which maybe a, a private driver's license, I think would be better because what, what is this? Like, I don't know about the UK, but I'll tell you here in the States, like when somebody gets a driver's license and they don't know how to drive in the slow lane and they're out in the fast <laughs> lane, like that's, Fail, fail immediately. It's not that a license doesn't make you a better driver. It just means that you paid the state and you've got some, you know, competency of like pressing the accelerator, staying in the lines, and, and pushing the brake. Like that's. I don't that's, know what it's like in the U.S. In, in the U.K., getting a driver li- driving license isn't that easy. Oh, it's super it's, easy it's here. That, it's not. It's not that easy. You definitely can't buy one. Um, you have to. You have to be decently competent to pass a driving <laughs> test here. I don't. I don't know what it's like in the states, but. And also here, like majority of cars are also manual, right? So you do actually, yeah. you, you can't just kind of jump in a car and do some turns and they'll give you your license. Like you, you, most people don't pass the first time, I don't think. Yeah. Honestly, here, if you know what a road sign looks like and you can read oh, the road enough. sign, <laughs> right? It's like, you're good. You know, you don't have to. I mean, this thing, there's no language requirement here uh, anymore, I don't think. Uh, and at the same time. You know what? What passes for drivers, uh, especially here in Metro Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Boy, it's rough, man. It's real rough. I would, I, I would honestly, you know, uh, I would, I would rather it be a, a private certification type of system. You know, if there was a network of private roads where you had to understand, listen, you know, trucks and and vehicles moving slowly, you got to be in the right lane. Uh, they're they're also rated heavier lanes, so we're not, you know, producing the same amount of, uh, you know, footprint for the, you know, the, the trucks that we are for the. The, the, the light cars and light trucks out there in the fast lane that, you know, just common sense sort of mm-hmm. things that would save everybody a ton of money and time. And if you violate, then what? Well, I mean, there's a, there's obviously a, a penalty per the, the private contract that you entered into on a private road system. What if you don't right? pay it? Well, I imagine you don't get to use that road anymore. How do they stop you? The access control. Tell me more. So we have access control uh, type roads all over the place out here. Um, you know, okay, and, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, so access control roads uh, here, and they're they're actually even state roads. But basically, um, you'll have you know your little decal and pass. So every time you pass a a place, um, they can enforce everything from your license plate to the speed that you traveled uh, to the uh, you know what type of maybe loads you might be hauling and things like that. Like they, this is all you know very much figured out by a lot of people who are in, you know, that space where they, they have, you know, access control points, uh, mm-hmm. where you, you, it's very seamless to you, you pay a bill at the end of the month, basically. Okay. So every time you use an access control type road, you pay it, uh, it's like a toll road or something like that. And it automatically comes out of a, a debit type account. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's interesting, man. I've, uh, 
like some of these ideas I'm familiar with, some of them are new to me. I'm just kind of playing different scenarios through in my head. I'm thinking of all the things that we do currently outsource to governments and don't really think about. Um, yeah. I think that's maybe that's also a big hurdle, right? Is that it's oh, having to terrible right? hurdle is <laughs> it, I'm, I'm already kind of like, like I am not a, I am very far from a big government dude, but there are things that the government does. Like I mentioned, you know, immigration, national defense. Uh, you know, I would go as far as, you know, some libertarians may hate me for this, but you know, even public roads, firefighters, police, all of these things I think have room for improvement, but I think, you know, I think, okay, those ones I'm like, I'm not going to put up a fight. Let me put it, let me, let me put it that way. I'm not going to be like, okay, we need to, we need to, we need to get rid of the police force and we need to privatize the fire department and we need to privatize all of these roads, et cetera. It's kind of like, oh boy, like that's it's going it, to get it, real complicated right. real fast. It, it's, it's one of those things that I always try to tell people, hey, listen, your lack of imagination shouldn't <laughs> and, and, and i and i mean you know i don't mean it in a in a mean way it's like your lack of imagination for this particular subject is just because maybe that's not your space right it's like this is this, this isn't your passion this isn't where, where your genius lies but i'll tell you what man there's somebody who's got this stuff figured out right they mm-hmm. like fedex figured out mail ups figured out mail yeah. here in the united states you know who hasn't figured out the mail the government like that stuff is lost. <laughs> it's all over the place. It's late as hell. It sucks. And so it's like, you know, it's not that it, it, we can't do it. It's just one of those things where we have to have the idea that, hey, man, there is somebody who's going to crack that code. And why would we deprive them of being like a, a Bill Gates or, you know, like if they can add to humanity, if they can take that mm-hmm. passion that they have and turn it into genius, man, genius is lift humanity. And it's like, let's let more people's passion run and let's see what type of genius they come up with. And that, I mean, that only comes around with freedom. That doesn't come around with, you know, mm-hmm. centralized control of things. Here's a big question. Here's a big question. And it's something you've already alluded to. So we're seeing in this time that we live in that we have companies that are arguably more powerful than governments. I agree. Already, okay? So, I mean, Twitter deep, not just Twitter, social media deplatformed the sitting president of the United States of America. Yeah, they sure did. Like, that is a power flex, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, right? Like, like, I don't think people, I don't think people think about how deep that is. Like, some people are just like, you you know, people who like Trump tend to be like, oh, that's, you know, Honest people who dislike him still tend to be like, that's bad. But, you know, so many people are like, oh, well, you know, just get rid of Trump. Like, we don't like him, whatever. And I'm like, I don't think everyone is thinking about how deep that actually is, right? Like, if they can do that to him. Yeah, ex- there you go, right? So, yeah. and one role of the government, whether or not they always do it appropriately, is to check monopolies. Um, Antitrust so, type, yeah. Yeah, so I do also wonder... In a world without the government, could you not just end up with? I'm like, we're like I said, we're already seeing this in real life. Could you not just end up with ultra? Like, imagine if Google, Amazon, Apple, Disney, and like Facebook. Imagine if they like joined up together. Like, we're already seeing Facebook eating up Instagram and WhatsApp and what. Like, imagine if they just joined together and just became just Globotech. And this essentially just becomes the gym, right? <laughs> Don't <laughs> like, like, biblioteca. <laughs> like this, this literally just becomes the new ultimate government, right? Like not, not, and, and worse, like even more. Yeah, infam- like they know every, force. they know everything about you. They are tracking your movements, and it's like they know what you're doing. They know you better than you do. Yeah. I mean, that's already the case. But I do also wonder. Okay, in this scenario. Like if this one, if they tried to do that, as it stands, the government would stop them, right? Like you, you, they wouldn't let Facebook and Amazon merge together. Like that's that would be a, I don't think they'd allow that. I think yeah, that would be one step too far. You know, so so yeah, let's let's unpack this because I have okay. an answer for you, and, okay, and I'm I'm excited to tell you guys and, okay. and your audience about this too. Um, so I I agree, like t- technocracy and giant corps and everything else, like those guys are already in bed and can helping control the government. And I agree that, you know, deplatforming a president or a vice or an ex-president, right? Like huge deal that nobody was like, eh, yeah, whatever. He, he so, was president. I think it's important that he was president at the time. Yes. Yeah, yeah he was. And he was so president. 
Deplatform. Um, there, what hasn't solved that to date is government, right? Like they they haven't solved that. They don't want to solve it. They, those guys, you know, what they want to do is see how they can make money and have more power because of it, right? Now, if they if, if they they go out and everybody who clamors for the internet to be you know regulated right like it's not going to be regulated the way you think it's going to be regulated it's not going to be the regulated the way you want it to be regulated it's going to be regulated the way they want it regulated and i'll tell you between here and the democrats and the republicans like i don't want something that's regulated by those guys now there is an answer right like people saw this coming uh back in 2009 with the, the the last you know economic collapse here in the states and what they did was they went out and they protested wall street right like it was one of those things where they're like man this can't happen again so what do they do they came up with blockchain and and blockchain technology is one of those technologies that doesn't just apply to cryptocurrencies blockchain technology is one of those uh you know very very in, ingenious um you know archetypes that gives people the ownership of decentralization of not only money but their social posts and things like that so there's there's places uh, popping up like hive online i don't know if you guys have heard of hive online but Mm -hmm. you got to have keys it's a blockchain technology they've got different types of platforms on there that are very much like twitter uh that are very much like um youtube and 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 everything else but the difference is is you can't be deplatformed there and you know the more you contribute to those the more um you know tokens or whatever uh that can can add up into your account so there is already an answer for this coming out of the private sector through people who are consenting in in those type of ways and i think that's i mean blockchain is, is is i think probably going to do more for freeing the world than you know guys like me or anybody in a government type of system i i think blockchain is actually going to be uh where we start to see the the human species evolve into whatever you know yeah right man it's like that's 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 it that's 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 the future is they can't stop it china tried to stop it china got smacked i mean when, when when China can't shut down Bitcoin <laughs> with it, with their like you're like well if China can't do it and the U S knows what's going on and they're like well man we're not going to try to slap Bitcoin because if they if we try to slap them and we fail then what it's a black eye right it's like a black eye for our own power and so they're not even going to have that fight blockchain is just eventually going to uh, I think really take the uh, the wind out of a, a lot of the sails of people who want uh, you know power for very bad reasons no doubt man well we will see shane man we could talk for hours on end but i want to be respectful of your time and uh we'll definitely have you back on again in the future but for people who are curious to learn more about you what can they check out and where can they follow you online yeah all my links are at radicalpod.com uh just like you spell radical uh radicalpodpod.com uh i'm shane t hazel on twitter uh would love for you guys to go out and follow there and on uh on youtube it's shane hazel ga i am trying to get a better uh a better connection out here in the mountains man and so (laughs) it's coming starlink and the private market is coming out here thanks to tesla and elon musk so uh hopefully by midsummer midfall sometime i'll have starlink up and running and and i'll have a better signal but uh zuby i I, man i I tell you i've been wanting to talk to you for a long time man and i appreciate the platform uh anytime uh that you need somebody to fill in or anything let me know and uh would love to have you on my show here soon no doubt brother thanks for coming on man peace For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.